Amen. Good evening. How are you? Really wasn't a trick question. Really wasn't a trick question. I know some of you are going, he was preaching last week and I thought I'd got away with it. If I came this week, he definitely wouldn't be preaching, but he's turned out that he is preaching again. So um, here's my question. Do you ever have any awkward encounters or have you ever had any awkward encounters? Now, listen, I want to keep it light. So I'm not sort of talking about creepy awkward but sort of kind of awkward, slightly difficult encounters. You know, where, one, I'm thinking about an encounter particularly where maybe you've tried to make the situation better, but you've actually really ended up making it worse. Do you, do you know what I mean? Why don't, why don't you just, uh, I'm sure there's a few stories. Just turn to the people around you. I'm sure you can think of some situation that was a little bit awkward from your life. Nick has got tons of them. I mean, literally, he will be here for three hours sharing his stories of awkward encounters. Great. So I'm, I'm not going to ask you to, uh, to share them now, but... You can come for prayer at the end, and we will pray for you from your awkwardness. Um, I, I do this all the time. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of foot-in-the-mouth syndrome. So, so because, because I'm a, a pastor, oh, hello, I'm Andrew, I'm a pastor. You haven't spotted that already. Um, and um, so I'm meant to know, people kind of have a vague sense, I'm meant to know what to say in situations, or I'm certainly not meant to make them worse. I'm meant to, you know, have a little bit of an ability to try and make things better. And I really haven't got that ability. I really have the ability to genuinely make things much, much worse. What, what I say, the way I get around that is when I was interviewed for this job, I said to people, this is, by the way, if you are ever thinking of going for a pastor role and you want to cover the fact, I said, I'm not really good at long-term pastoral care. You know, I, I'm very good in the immediate moment. And all the panel all sort of nodded like that, which is just that shorthand for saying, I am bound to mess up. If I talk to you for too long and more than once, I'm bound to mess up. I remember when Nikki, my beautiful wife, Nikki here, if you've not met her at the front. Um, I remember when we moved into, uh, it was our, our, our second ever home. And uh, we were having to rent because I was going to Vicar Factory. And in those days, to go to Vicar Factory, you weren't allowed to have any debts. So we had a flat. We'd bought a flat and we had to sell the flat because the, uh, the market bombed. I'm so old, I can remember when house prices went down as well as up. That's how old I am. And anyway, we had to sell the flat and we made a bit of a loss on it. But, so we rented a house from a guy just two doors down. And the end of the month comes when it's time to write the check, okay, for the rent. And I've only ever known this man's first name, Anthony. So I go to him and I say, I'm going to write the check for you. And I get the checkbook out. I say, yep. So I know it's A. And I don't know your surname. And he looks at me and he says, Pratt. with a completely straight face. So I say, A, and he says, Pratt. <laughs> and in the moment, genuinely, to try and make things better, I said, do you spell that with an E? <laughs> and he said, no, E. I said, oh, well, I think some Pratt spell their Pratt with a, an E on the end, which makes it a Pratt. Digging. He says, no, 
P-R-A-T, I am a Pratt. <laughs> Sign the check. That's mine. So if I do that to you, by the way, if I try and you know, sort of say something to you and it comes out, my excuse is I was trying to make it better. And Jesus loves me. So listen, we've got quite a tough, we've, got, we, we've been doing these encounters. We've been saying to ourselves, if we want to talk to people about, about Jesus, if we want to um, share, and some of the imagery we've been using is this idea of green space. It's what the, the trees at the back under the gallery are about. We're, we're trying to say to ourselves that how can we be people in, in which we're able to sort of be green in the sense of helping to bring life and helping to bring growth and, and God to use us in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with, with other people. And I, I'm saying that to a bunch of people. Some of you will have been on this journey with Jesus for a long time, and you would say, you know, I've been a follower of Jesus for a, for a long time. Some of you may say, you know, you might say, I'm here, and I wouldn't describe myself as a follower of Jesus. Well, so welcome. You're so, so, so welcome. We're having a think about this question about, okay, if we, wanna, if we wanted to answer maybe your question, maybe you're here tonight and you're wanting to say, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What, what's the deal? You know, I meet so many people who've had just enough religion to put them off God. You know, and maybe you're here thinking, I don't want religion. I don't want, you know, rules and regulations and weird stuff, although the bloke preaching at the moment is pretty weird. I don't want more weird. What I, what I want is, is to know something about this relationship that you guys seem to have. And when you, you sing these songs, and you know, I, w- I want to understand why the, the bits of the songs that get sung the, the most are the woo. Do you notice that? That's the bit we sang the best. I, I want to know why, because there must be something going on. Either this is a cult, and you've all been taught how to sing the woo-woo-woos, you know, and maybe you graduate, you know, maybe you start off a baby Christian, you do a woo, and then, you know, when you're as old as me, you do a woo, 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 woo. You can go full, you know. Maybe you clicked, even in that moment, there's something, there must be something going on inside that grown, good-looking men of about six foot two, when they stand on their tiptoes, are holding their hands out and going, woo, woo. You know, it must be a bit like those funny noises that I made when I first met Nikki. There must be something going on inside, and you'd like to know about that. And we're, we're saying, okay, so when Jesus met people, when Jesus was here walking, breathing, living on earth, when God said, I love you so much, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to take on human form. I'm, I'm going to be God walking bodily around you. You know, people say you can't see God. No one's ever seen God. Just not true. Because people have seen God. People saw God when they saw Jesus. Here on earth, in human form. Okay. He, he was limited to human form. He chose to say, I will be limited. When Jesus, you know, Jesus couldn't be everywhere all of the time like God can be. But within that form... There was Jesus, there was God. And so when he encountered people, when he, when he met people and, and, and they wanted to have some sense of what it means to be fully alive, to be living life in HD colour, not settling for black and white, not going for Ryman League West, but Premier Division 1 life. What did he say to people? What did he do? What happened 
And how can we think about that for ourselves? If, you, if you've got that question, you want to know, I, I know a little bit about you, God, but I'd like to know you. I can see what some other people are into, but I'm not feeling it yet. I want to sing woo-woos. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up if you want to be able to sing woo-woos and mean it. What happened? And if we want to, as I say, share this with other people. So we've been looking at a whole series of encounters. And we've noticed, I hope, a number of things. If you've been here for a few, then we've noticed a few things. Some themes have begun to emerge. One theme, which we're going to see in a moment, and we're going to come back, you know, going to look at, is that some people seem to come to Jesus and call him teacher. Some of the people he encounters say, say, hi, teacher. And they're, they're significantly different We've been, we've been noticing as we've been reading the Bible from the people who call him Lord. There's a, there's a big difference. You know, someone much more famous than me said, if we needed education, then God would have sent an educator. But God didn't do that. You know, God didn't send us a, a guru. God came a saviour, because that's who we needed. So there's a big difference between saying, you know, Jesus, I think you're a great teacher. And actually, in tonight's story, in tonight's encounter, um, that's exactly how someone approaches him. There's a big difference from that and saying, I believe you are Lord. There's an old saying, and I'm old enough to, to remember it, which is, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. If, if Jesus is not Lord of all of me, then he isn't Lord at all. You, you, you can't be partially under, under kingship. You, you can't be partially under a ruler of your life. It's, it's not possible. One of the other things we've noticed is that in these encounters, and we're going to have it read for us in a, in a moment by some really highly intelligent people for us, are going to read the reading for us. Um, another thing we've noticed is that when Jesus is talking to people in his home territory... In, in Galilee and, the, and the, the area around where he was brought up and around family, quite often he's talking to people who should get it, who should really get who he is. They are, they are religious people. They're people of faith. They've been brought up with, with the stuff about God. They've been brought up with stories. They've been told to expect and wait for a saviour to come. And they are the people who don't get it. Whereas quite often in the stories of Jesus' life, he goes into different territory. He goes to a, a part of the world called Samaria, which is kind of like they're the complete, they're the enemy of, of God's people, the Jews. But in Samaria, and we had an encounter where he met, many of us will know it, he met a woman at a well, and she completely got it. She could see what the religious people, remember what I've told you, a lot of religious people have had just enough to put them off God. She got what they couldn't see. And we've seen that a few times. And tonight's encounter is going to kind of pick that up for us. But there we go. That is the kind of headline, really. Lord of all, 
or not Lord at all. Now listen, there's some really good news. Everyone who Jesus meets, he doesn't say to them, I need all your money and I need all your possessions. That's good news, isn't it? Maybe. Jesus doesn't say that to everyone he meets. You know, God doesn't need a penny from us. You know, the, the Bible says that, that heaven is paved with gold. God doesn't need a single penny from us. I just say that because some of you may say, as one person said to me, every time I, every time I ever come to church, you're talking about money. Do you know what? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about my heart. That, that's what Jesus was talking about with this guy. He, he went away sad because he got it. He actually completely got it. He got it that it wasn't really about his wealth and his possessions. It was about whether or not he was prepared to follow Jesus. Did you notice that in the story? That's the point. It was, it was getting rid of the stuff so that he could follow the person. Maybe, maybe you need to hear that. Maybe you're one of the people here tonight who's thinking about what does it mean to say, you know, Jesus is Lord. What would, it, what would it involve? Would it involve giving up all my money? Well, I don't know. It, it might do if money is something that's more important to you than God. Might it be a relationship? I, I don't know, but it might be if that relationship is more important to you than God. It, it could be power, it could be a job title, it, be, it could be called, being called lead pastor of a, of a big church and people saying, well done. It, it could be that, where God might say to Andrew, you know what, you put that in front of me. You say that I am Lord of your life. You say that I'm number one. You say that you're all in for me, and yet you're not. This, this thing about being lead pastor is, is bigger than me. So I'm going to ask you to give it up. Not because God... You know, if that was what God said to me, not because he would need it. For, God wouldn't need to be lead pastor of Trinity Cheltenham, would he? But he might say it for the good of my heart. He might, he might say, because I want to give you so much more. See, this, this guy, this rich young ruler, just notice he was rich and he was young and he was a ruler. The word ruler in the way that it gets used in the, in the passage, and I'm looking particularly at, at Matthew's version, it's Matthew 19 Verse 16, if you want to look it up in your Bibles or follow. Um, The word means a prince or or a magistrate, a religious leader of some kind, of some real significance. But he's young, which was unusual in the age. It was unusual to be young and to be like a ruler in, in the place of worship for the Jewish people, synagogue. But he's made it. This guy has really genuine Lee made it. By the way, also because he comes to Jesus and says, teacher, that signifies that he's Jewish and not, not part of the Roman sort of occupying force, for example. When Jesus says to him, did you notice, Jesus, you know, he says, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? That's, that's verse 16 of, of John chapter 19. And Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Now, Jesus is not trying to play games. Jesus, God doesn't play games with you. Jesus is not playing games with you tonight. If you, if you even remotely think that you know, he's trying to be tricky, he's not. 
The reason that Jesus says it to the young man is because he wants to get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter for this guy is that he thinks he's made it. And he really hasn't. I mean, actually, in some of the encounters we've had, we've noticed that some of the people who come up to Jesus, they're asking deliberately a trick question. They actually have another motive. They want to catch Jesus out. There's nothing in the text, and this this story gets repeated in a number of the, the, the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life, the accounts of Jesus' life. There's nothing that any of them say that indicates that he's trying to play a trick on Jesus. In, in Mark's version of this story, the young man falls at Jesus' feet. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of desire. It's a sign of, I do know I have this need. I want more. That came out so well in that account of the story. So when Jesus replies to him, it's, it's not, I think, is it, with any harshness. It's with, a, it's with a real sadness in his eyes. It's a real sense of looking into the heart of this guy and saying, you know, you've come so far. You, you are so serious in your great question. You're asking the right question. But sadly, you're not ready for the answer or you won't receive the answer. Maybe you notice that the, uh, the commandments that the guy... So Jesus says, you, you know you've got to follow the commandments. And you notice the young man sort of slightly demonstrates his slightly kind of up himself because he goes, which ones? <laughs> hey, come on, Jesus. Follow the, follow the commands. Okay, throw me at them. I'm ready. And the ones that Jesus asks about, did you notice they're all about relationships with other people? Do you notice that? So about your mum and your dad, about not murdering other people. He says, how are you with these commandments, with this stuff about, about following me, about following God? And the guy goes, tick. A star plus plus whatever it is. Now, I did O levels. I am so old. But whatever your international baccalaureate is, And then Jesus says, okay, now I'd like to ask you about God. I've I've asked you about your relationship with other people. I've asked what you look like in action. I've asked you, here you are, this rich young guy, you've got it together. You're doing well, you're head of the synagogue, you're lead pastor of the synagogue. But now I'd like to ask about your heart and your relationship with God. And sadly, the man's response in walking away, sadly, tells us that what he had claimed was not true. He was not obeying all of the commandments. <clears throat> he doesn't disagree with Jesus, does he? Did you notice that? He doesn't try and argue, doesn't even try and defend himself. He just says, got it. The first commandment is from the Old Testament in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6.6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
everything else follows from that. There's just four things that I want to draw out from this tonight. And uh, we're going to hopefully finish pretty quick, actually, because it's, it's, it's such a simple but life-changing, profound message, basically. It is the deal, isn't it? It's really what it comes down to. For every single one of us, for anyone we could meet, first one is that eternal life is the reality that makes sense of earthly life. Eternal life, or the kingdom of God, because those two are synonymous in the way they're being used, they're, they're one, is the reality that makes sense of earthly life. When I was about 13, I used to believe, because kind of the way I was being taught, that eternal life only began when I died. I went to a, a cipher camp, I've said, told this before, a youth camp, and a preacher actually made us walk around and say to people, I hope to see you at the end, I hope to see you at the end, made us do all of that. Good intention, but completely wrong with what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that eternal life is a reality that has already started. When Jesus came, when God said, I am breaking into history, I'm breaking into history, I'm going to grab you guys in history, Jesus said, the kingdom of God, God being in charge, God's rule, God's timeline starts now. This guy, this rich young ruler, he knew that. It's what he wanted. He wanted heaven. He wanted eternal life. Although I think probably he thought it was only a future reality. But the kingdom of God, the reality of God in our lives has started now. And I'm sure you know this. You know that, that God's kingdom has started with the coming of Jesus and it will continue forever, whereas this kingdom, this life, will come to an end. And one of the reasons why as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we find life tough is because it's a bit like we've got a foot in both, on both timelines. You know, we're citizens of heaven, but we're having to live here now. There's a now and are not yet, as people have often said, about God's rule. God's rule in my life is coming into being. God's rule in the world is coming into being. The Bible never says that God is going to scrunch the world up and throw it away and replace. God's word says that he is at work renewing all things. And it started now. And the reality of living in relationship with God, knowing that you're a citizen of heaven and that you have begun to live out eternal life, puts everything else into a proper perspective. Nothing else can be as worth as much as that. That's, that's a real lesson from this encounter. The guy had the right question. 
So is, is, is that a question for you? Would that be a question for you? Or would that be a, a question for a neighbour or a family member or someone you're going to see at work tomorrow or you're going to see in the park or you're going to see? Would that be a question? People would love to know if it's possible to start living the right way up in an upside down world, as a guy called Jay John has said. Start living the right way up in an upside down world. And it is. But the second point from this story is don't let anyone or anything steal away from you the reality of eternal life as a gift from God. The young man says, what good thing must I do? He means, what more must I do to earn eternal life? He thought that he could earn eternal life. He thought that if he could somehow find more that he was able to do in his own strength, he would earn it. But he can't. And we can't. And our friends and our families can't. But it's so seductive. It's so, so seductive to think maybe, just maybe, if I do this or if I do that or if I, then somehow God's going to be a little bit more pleased with me. You know, it's been said before by other people, you know, God's got a top 10, 10 commandments, but we all have our own top 10 little commandments. I'm not going to tell you what mine are. But if I get through a week and I've only broken three of them, I'm really happy. How seductive, how tempting to think that that's the basis on which God might want me. How tempting it is to think that we can earn our way when we can't. It is a gift. Grace. We don't deserve it. That's the truth. But our dad, our perfect father in heaven, wants to give it to us. And so he didn't send an educator. He didn't send a guru. He didn't send a life coach. He sent a saviour. He came and as we've sung, he died on the cross for me. Because I can't offer him anything that's good enough to get eternal life in my own strength for you and for everyone you love and everyone you meet and everyone who's out there, everyone who wants to live life to its fullness. He died on the cross to take away all the barriers. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. But I know it works. I don't know how my love for Nikki works, but I know it works. I don't know why I love my girls in the way that I love my girls, and I would do anything for my girls in the way that I would do anything for my girls. Don't you get between me and my girls. I don't exactly know how it works, but I know it works. I know that the things that matter to me, that speak to my heart, are true even if I can't hold up a test tube and show you, you know, here's love or here's whatever. I know it's true. And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, my saviour, your saviour. It is so tempting though, 
so tempting to put your trust in other things. And the completeness, the sharpness of this encounter between Jesus and this rich young man was to say, no, no, no. It's about Jesus. It's about following Jesus. It's about saying, you be Lord of all of me. Okay, there is a deal about money. There is a thing about money because for a lot of people, this is the thing that gets in the way. That's the truth. And that is part of this story, but it's actually not the main part of this story, which is why you will have noticed it's come third, not first or second. The first things are the first things. There is a deal about money, though. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus also said, what, is it, what does it profit anyway? What, what good is it for anyone if you, if you gain everything that this world can give you, but you lose out on eternal life? Jesus used the metaphor of a camel going through the eye of a needle. Often people say that that was a little gate in, in the city walls of Jerusalem. Actually, the evidence for that is real. There's no architectural evidence for that at all. It came up in about the ninth century. People started to talk about it. But actually, as a metaphor, it makes the point. Basically, Jesus is saying, just eye of the needle was a phrase used by the Jewish people to signify a very small, a very small opening. Jesus just saying, carry loads of stuff, you can't get through a small gap. You can't buy heaven, you can't take it with you. No one, as I sometimes say, and forgive me, I repeat myself because I'm that old, no one ever on their deathbed, when I've gone and prayed with them, ever says, Andrew, you know what, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. I've been doing this for 20 years, no one's ever asked me to pray that. Money does have power. The Bible is really clear about it. Money is not a neutral commodity. It has power. And what we do about money is about taking power over it, God's power over it. So when we decide to say, you first, Lord, not Holy Trinity Cheltenham first, not Andrew Blythe first, not, that's not the point of the giving of money that we do. When we give, when we, when we have our offering, it's, and then we say first to the Lord, so tithing, the principle of, of tithing is first to the Lord. It's not, here's everything I need for all the stuff that I want to do, and then God, here's what you've got left with. It's a way of taking power away from money over us. And you give it wherever God tells you to give it to it's worship. It's a declaration of lordship. And we live in a culture where this is probably our biggest single issue, isn't it? You know, all those people who win the lottery, you know, when they survey them and ask them, what do you wish? They all say, I wish I'd won a bit more. Or a big majority of them say that. Now, you see, this young man in this encounter did have to learn the truth that faith is a doing thing. Faith is not an intellectual concept. When you're talking to an aggressive atheist like Richard Dawkins about faith, the problem is he doesn't understand the nature of faith. He thinks that faith is an intellectual worldview. I have put together this worldview, I accept. It doesn't work like that. Faith is what you do. I mean, 
And I know this is an analogy which could cause pain for one or two, and I'm sorry when it does, but, but it, it's just kind of, the Bible uses it so often. I could tell you that I'm married to Nikki because I've got a wedding ring on. I could show you a piece of paper to prove to you that legally I am married to Nikki. But what you would like to notice is whether I live like somebody who is married to Nikki. Faith is about actions. What I believe, truly believe, affects my money, my relationships, everything. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Can I just say, it's about direction of life. Please don't be sitting here feeling that you're getting on a guilt trip because if you, God does not have to use guilt. He never does. He uses love. You know, I'm a work in progress and I'll carry on being a work in progress until the day I die. I'm not standing here because I'm perfect. I'm standing here because I'm someone who wants him to be Lord of all. I want to be on a journey and I do want to look back and see, can you see a wake? Can you see some movement in my life? So the final one to say, to finish, is isn't it good news that nothing is impossible with God? He can even take someone like me. Jesus' two responses are about following, aren't they? He says to the young man, first, have you followed the commandments? Those are kind of like the, they're like the being with God bit. Worship and community, personal disciplines, prayer, reading the Bible. It really doesn't work by osmosis. Stick it on your bedside table. It will not go into your mind. You actually have, I know it's horrific to say, but you actually have to open it or switch it on and read it. And then what happens, because the Holy Spirit inspired its writing, he inspires its hearing as well. But then Jesus said, and go further, radical discipleship. Peter in the story said to him, God, how can anyone follow you? We've given up everything for you. And, we're and Jesus said, yes, because I love you so much and I value you so much. I want radical, right way up living in an upside-down world. Jesus at the centre. Lord of my life. Lord of this project called Andrew Blythe, trying to become who God made him to be. Often failing, but still trying. Lord of our money, free from anything that would weigh us down. Living knowing that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, eternal life has already begun. Knowing that nothing is impossible. Mike's already said it tonight. We've already prayed it and sung it. God does an inside-out job, doesn't he? God doesn't start with the outside and put on, you know, help us to put on a good show and then change us. God comes into the heart and then changes us from the inside out. 
You know, if you've been trying to take God in just in your head, kind of intellectually decide whether or not you believe this stuff is true, can I just tell you, you're never going to get anywhere. Sorry. It's a heart surgery. It's a heart thing. And we live in a culture which can be a bit suspicious about heart and feelings, but I'm not. Because I love people who matter to me. My heart really matters. God wants your heart. If you're able to, would you like to stand? So what I really felt I should do tonight is, um, is actually lead in a little prayer. Because I, I, I just wonder if there's one or two people tonight who, um, and, and I'm completely fine, by the way, if the answer's no. It, it, you know, actually, I, I think the answer isn't no. But, but tonight might not be the right moment. And it's, it's not my job in the slightest to kind of like force anything. But um, really humbly, I want to say to you, um, if God is kind of knocking, you know, on, um, on the kind of door of your heart, and he's actually saying to you, Josh, do you want to get in? Or is it Jamie here? No, who's here? You're there. You're on the keyboard. Look, this won't work. If you don't seamlessly start playing the keyboards, then God can't move. It's a known fact. It's Jamie, isn't it? You led so well. Sorry, Jamie, mate. You see what I've just done there? Awkward encounter. I've just tried to make it better and really dug a big hole. Do you notice that? Sermon Illustration 101. Um, I, I'm really happy about, you know, just even just mucking up like that because I, I want you to know that if this is a moment for you to say that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, actually you would be in the future be able to say it was despite the worst ever talk that I'd ever heard. And the guy messed up and couldn't even remember who was leading worship. So what I'm going to do is, uh, a lot of you will have done, uh, people will be familiar with a thing called Alpha. Um, some of you will have done Alpha before. It may even be that you want to, you know, you've done this before, but you still want to do it again. Others of you may not have come across this. And if you do decide that tonight is a night to pray this prayer, then I'm going to really encourage you when we do an Alpha course in the autumn to do it. I'm going to read out a prayer from this thing called Alpha, which is a kind of course for people who want to find out more about God. And then there's these booklets, Why Jesus? And you could take those away. I, I want to do this deliberately because I, I just really, I felt God saying, you know, Andrew, there might be more than one person here who's been trying to do so much in your head. You know, your questions are really sincere questions. And please don't, don't hear anything that I've said to, to kind of in any way suggest that you're being foolish or anything like that. that that's the Andrew Blythe unreconstructed bit talking. It's not God. So, so what I'm going to do is, if, if you know that God is actually knocking on your heart, either for the very first time, or, or you actually sort of keep that little phrase about, if God is not Lord of all, then he's not really Lord at all. If that's been bothering you, I'm, I'm going to use this prayer from this book to read out. And I'm going to read it slowly, so that just under your breath, if you want to, you can also... 
you can also say the words. And I'm saying this prayer, I'm really saying this prayer for myself as much as for anyone else. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that I am forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. I receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Be Lord forever. Thank you. Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to have an opportunity for a number of people to be prayed with if you want to. It's, it's, uh, the, the deal is we're doing on the outside with our, we're letting our bodies actually express something physical on the outside about what's going on inside when we invite people to be prayed for so what we do is we we just invite people to come and just be prayed for just at the front it's not because this bit of carpet is more magic than any bit of carpet in this room but actually stepping out stepping forward is as I say it's a, it's a physical way of saying I want this to be true in me and I've already said that faith is a a doing thing so so faith is is actually saying yeah I'm going to take a step so look I don't don't know what God's saying to you only he does I I can't mind read you don't worry God might have just led you to say that prayer for the first time and I'd love to ask you to, to come God might have asked you to renew that prayer. You've, you've said that before, but tonight something is special because it's a renewing of that prayer. God might be speaking to you about, about something or someone 
that has become the equivalent. It might be money or it might be something or someone else that's become this thing that is more important, has more of a hold on you than you know is healthy. It's kind of between you and God. And again, I think, I think God would want to just bless you tonight, not, to, not in any sense to do a deal on you, but, but just to love you, just to show how much he loves you. And nothing is impossible with God. So Holy Spirit, God with us now, would you just come and just, would you just touch people however you want? I, I, I think people might even almost feel like a, it's like a tap on the shoulder or a, it's a buzz in your heart. And if you want to just come for prayer for any of the things that I've said, but it may be other things as well, why don't you just come down to the left or to the right? Just come and stand at the front and someone will come and pray with you. I invite you to come now in Jesus' precious name. Bless you. That's great. That's so good. Well done, guys. Well done. Big on you. Big on you. Well done. Mike, come and pray with this guy. Come and pray with these guys, please, people. Nick, others, come and pray. Nikki. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Not for any effect, but just for you, God. Just I'm only walking out for you. I'm stepping out for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A lady to my left here, if someone could come and pray, that'd be great, please. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. Great. Thank you, God. That's great. I sense maybe one or two more. Just you feel God just tapping. It's kind of like a, I've got to go. Come if you want to. If you decide tonight's not the night, don't worry. God loves you just as much. He loves you just as much. But if tonight's the night, why don't you come? Let him be Lord of all. Let him be Lord of all. That's right. So brave. Well done. Well done. Well done. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Someone come and pray for my good friend Lee here. David, come on. You're, you've got a hand on the end of an arm. That's great. Come and pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Still time to come if you want to. Lord of all. Lord of all. Lord of all. Jamie's going to lead us in, in singing something. Those of us are here. Can I, can I just pray blessing, please, on, on each one of us? And if you want to still come and be prayed for in this kind of way, please do. Would you please really hear me when I say, if tonight wasn't the right moment, God loves you absolutely. God loves you absolutely. But don't be surprised if he carries on knocking because he loves you. But do not go away with the slightest shred of any kind of guilt if tonight was not the right moment, the right time. So I pray for the blessing of God Almighty who is perfect Father, Saviour Jesus and Spirit, Comforter, Counsellor, Guide, the power of God 
to fill every single one of you, that you would know the richness of His blessing, that you would know the extent of His love for you and for all those you love as well. In Jesus' precious name, amen.